Hi, it's Vanessa. All of us at ParCast want to thank you for your continuing support throughout the year. ParCast could not be what it is today without you. We also wanted to give you a heads up that we're taking a break for the holidays and we won't be back until after the new year. But since the season is all about giving, we do have something special lined up for the next two weeks, so be sure to tune in. In the meantime, enjoy the season, and we'll be back the first week of January with your regular programming. Have a happy and safe new year. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Greek myths and traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Long ago, near the kingdom of treason, an ancient structure stood at the top of Mount Parnassus. The Temple of Delphi was built to honor the god Apollo, and within it was an oracle who could see the future. Some said she could even change it, a rumor that King Aegeus of Athens desperately wanted to believe. Oh, great oracle! I have traveled from Athens to seek your counsel. A lie, King Aegeus, but there is truth within it. What you really seek is that which does not exist. A child, a boy, an heir. Precisely. I've consulted with the wisest healers, I've changed my diet, and I have bedded many wives in every manner that is physically possible. And yet, I have no child to show for it. I fear my own virility is to blame. Some men were simply not born to be fathers. Your family tree has many branches. Another may still bear fruit. My family tree is gnarled and rotten. If I don't bear an heir, my brother Pallas will steal my throne and run Athens into the ground. The next ruler must be my child. Allow me to gaze into the future to see if your fears are justified. <gasps> you are correct, Aegeus, and in need of more assistance than I thought. The branches curl inwards, and the tree will suffocate itself before the real threat crashes onto your shore and floods the forest entirely. A threat from the sea? Is it those animals in Crete? I can give you the gift of knowing your future, or I can give you an heir who could change it. You must choose. An heir, please, Oracle, an heir. Very well. Oh, Phoebus Apollo, I called you from your temple at Delphi. If it pleases you and the gods of Olympus, bless this king with the gift of an heir. As the oracle chanted, Aegeus felt something shift within him. The gods have now granted you the ability to bring forth a son, but only once to ensure your legacy. I trust that you feel reassured now. Oh, oracle, I feel 
In truth, it would be entirely inappropriate to tell a holy priestess how I feel right now. Then go. And though your wineskin may fill to the brim, be wary of who you share it with. Do not loosen it until you return to Athens. Thank you. But do you mean the wineskin I'm carrying? I was going to call on King Pythias at his palace, and it's customary to bring a drink for your host. Unless you're speaking symbolically, yes? Of my virility and how I shouldn't uh, deploy it until I'm with my wife? I have said all that needs to be said. May I still drink from my actual wineskin? Be gone! King Aegeus wandered out, confused but excited for his future. In his days, he didn't see the cloaked figure standing in the shadows of the temple's entrance. The man was a spy for King Pythias, who had heard everything. He knew he had to race to Treason's palace before Aegeus arrived to inform Pythias. The king of Athens was finally capable of producing an heir, and who better to bear it than a princess of treason? Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we explore the story of Theseus, the great hero king of Athens. This week, we'll meet Theseus, a brash and immature young man who dreams of greatness. Next week, we'll follow him on his most daunting adventure into the terrifying labyrinth of the Minotaur. Coming up, we'll witness a royal seduction. Stay with us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. In Greek mythology, a few brave champions stand above the rest. One in particular is well known for his supposedly supernatural origin, his superhuman strength, and the terrifying challenges he faced across ancient Greece. 
If you're thinking of Heracles, that's not a bad guess, but those descriptors also apply to Theseus. According to some legends, younger Theseus was one of Heracles's first ardent fans and his cousin. When the boy came of age, he set out to emulate his heroic older cousin before becoming an icon in his own right. References to Theseus first appear in the seminal Greek texts of the Iliad and the Odyssey, written around the 8th century BCE and attributed to Homer. Centuries later, Roman Empire-era scholar Plutarch compiled Theseus's adventures into a biography. There's no conclusive evidence that Theseus was an actual historical figure, but he is still quite significant to Greek history, especially to the city of Athens. Theseus would become Athens' greatest hero before maturing into a shrewd king who worked to unite his people under Cynicism, an early form of democracy. But before all that, Theseus existed only as a dream in his father Aegeus's heart, a father who was unwittingly headed into a seductive trap. A royal guard led King Aegeus through the Palace of Treason. The light was dim, the stone walls were crumbling, and each room seemed more neglected than the last. Aegeus had heard that old King Pythias had financial difficulties, but he wasn't aware that things were this grim. The guard opened the doors to a dining chamber. Aegeus braced for an uncomfortable night of small talk with a destitute king. But instead, a young woman stood in the doorway. She had beauty and grace, but there was also a sensuality that burned in her eyes. It made Aegeus nervous. Hello, are you the king's nurse? <laughs> in many ways, that is what I've become. But I am also his daughter. My name is Ethra. It's a pleasure to meet you. Princess, I am sorry I did not recognize you. The pleasure is all mine. <laughs> I do enjoy it when a man knows what pleases him. Well, well, it would please me greatly to visit with your father. Oh, I'm afraid the king is ill. But I know he'd want me to keep you entertained. Now. Have you brought us some fine Athenian wine? I... I meant to, but I was thirsty on my journey, and I'm afraid I've run out. Are you certain? That wineskin on your belt looks positively engorged. Don't touch it! My apologies. I've been to the Oracle, you see, and I'm a bit turned around. My future may rest on keeping this particular wineskin full. Or it may not. That doesn't make much sense. But then again, the Oracle rarely does. Tell me, did she say anything about drinking my wine? No. At least, I don't think she did. Oh, then have a goblet of treason's finest, for ceremony's sake. I suppose just one goblet would be alright.
Wine and women were Aegeus's weaknesses, and he was no match for both of them combined. One goblet turned into two, then into four. A pleasant chat turned into a passionate discussion on how best to rule a kingdom. A walk through the gardens turned into a midnight excursion on treason's moonlit beach. And in his drunken haze, Aegeus completely forgot the oracle's warning. The next morning, Aegeus cracked an eyelid and was blinded by glaring sunlight. He shielded his eyes and turned away to face Aethra. She lay beside him, naked on the sand, a satisfied grin upon her face. Mm, good morning, Aegeus. My head is pounding. Where are your robes? Where are mine? By that cave near your sword and satchel. You tossed them off in a fit of passion. Oh dear. Did we? Yes, several times. Oh, no! Uh, most would say it was a privilege. Of course it was! It's just that... I fear I've disobeyed the Oracle's guidance. Which means I've lost my one chance to father a son! No, I wouldn't be so sure. The women in my family are quite fertile. Well, am I the only man you've laid with of late? I heard a rumor about your dalliance with Poseidon. That was once, and it happened years ago. Are you saying that if I give birth to your heir, you would reject him? Aethra, an heir born to a princess from a rival kingdom, would be troubling, personally and politically. My advisors will wring their hands about what this means for our two kingdoms' relationship. Our child would be a most inconvenient one. Even if it's the only child you ever have? <sighs> no, then he is precious. If you do bear a son, raise him here. Keep my identity a secret, but train him to be a king. Teach him to be extraordinary. Then send him to Athens when he is grown and wise and strong. Oh, such high expectations. How will I know when he's worthy of your approval? Aegeus looked around. He wanted to placate Aethra, but he had no idea what to say. He saw a cave with a massive rock blocking its entrance. The only access to the cave's interior was high up, where the rock's craggy surface didn't quite meet the curve of the cave's mouth. The rock seemed impossible to move, which gave Aegeus an idea. He picked up his sword, then pulled a pair of gold-accented sandals from his satchel. He tossed the sword and sandals over the rock, and they clattered down into the cave. If the boy is strong enough to push this rock aside and retrieve my sword and sandals, that will prove he is strong enough to stand a chance in Athens. A king needs brains more than he needs brute strength. Perhaps, but if he is a gift from the gods, he will have both. And if no heir comes of this union, well, fair Ethra, at least we'll have our memories of last night. <laughs> A night you barely remember. Then remember it for us both. Farewell.
Aegeus ignored the tears welling in the princess's eyes and ran off. He knew he'd treated her unfairly, but he had to get home. He vowed to forget this night of passion and prayed that the god's gift of fertility would still work in Athens. By the cave, Aethra dried her tears, which were more for show than anything else. She was not terribly attracted to Aegeus, but she had a duty to her kingdom. She vowed to seduce him after her father's spy relayed what he overheard from the oracle. If her child became king of Athens, treason would gain a powerful ally, and her destitute kingdom's coffers would fill with Athenian gold. So Aethra put a hand to her belly and prayed to the gods, too. She wished for a son who was serious, wise, and fit to be a king. Most of all, she wished for a son who was extraordinary. Nine months later, Aethra got her wish, but not quite in the way she expected. Coming up, Ethra raises a most unusual child. Hi, listeners, it's Vanessa. If you haven't had a chance to check out the entertaining new podcast, Blind Dating, now's the time to binge what you've missed before catching all new episodes every Wednesday. In this Spotify original from Parcast, we're expanding the places you can meet your match with a twist you'll never see coming. Join host Tara Michelle as she introduces one hopeful single to two strangers in a voice-only call. Through a series of illuminating games and questions, the trio will get to know one another without the distraction of appearances. But once the cameras are turned on, is personality still enough for these strangers to fall for each other? Or will they say farewell? Connect with new episodes of Blind Dating every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Now back to the story. Theseus, stop! Get away from those plates! <sighs> All right, Theseus, you've conquered the suspicious-looking plates. Now please, go find your tutor and learn something. Princess Aethra of Treason didn't regret seducing King Aegeus of Athens. The oracle had granted the man one chance to produce an heir, and Aethra knew her son Theseus's claim to the throne would be a boon to Treason's fortunes. But raising a child alone was difficult, especially a wild and stubborn one like Theseus. She often thought of sending a messenger to tell Aegeus of his son, but it was too risky. Athens was embroiled in a war with King Minos, ruler of the island of Crete. Minos blamed his son's death on Athens, and any heir of Aegeus would be a prime target for assassination. So Aethra stayed patient. She told Theseus that his father perished in a battle and tried to tame the little beast on her own. 
she used her kingdom's meager finances to hire the best tutors who taught him diplomacy and urged him to idolize the great kings of Greece. Or at least they tried to. The boy wasn't suited for schoolwork and had only one idol, his cousin Heracles. The young hero was making a name for himself and enjoyed visiting kingdoms to regale the royals with his exploits. When Theseus was seven years old, Heracles visited his relatives in treason after slaying the Nemean lion. Heracles found it quite funny to lay the fearsome beast's pelt on tables or couches in a most lifelike manner. People who came across it usually thought it was alive and shrieked in terror, but not Theseus. When Theseus saw the monster, he gritted his teeth and ran to the nearest palace guard. Theseus ripped a dagger from the guard's belt, then stabbed the lion's pelt over and over until he proudly announced that it was dead. Heracles laughed, picked the boy up, and told him he'd be a hero someday, too. Aethra smiled, but she was tense underneath her mask of royal hospitality. She feared her son's Herculean ambitions would undo her careful planning. Things did not improve as Theseus got older. He had strength and charisma to spare, but he barely paid attention to his lessons and did not display much in the way of traditional political intelligence. When he turned 18, Theseus set his heart on a life of adventure. He dreamed of sailing to the ends of the earth or joining Heracles as a faithful champion in training. Aethra feared she might wake up one day to find her son had run away to pursue some mythical destiny he'd dreamed up for himself. Theseus did have a destiny, but it was a royal and realistic one. It was time for Aethra to set her son on the right path. Early one morning, Aethra led her son to a cave on the beach, one with a large boulder blocking its entrance. Theseus looked up at the cave, confused. Theseus? Your destiny lies within that cave. So I do have a destiny? Yes. One I have kept from you your whole life. But if you can push this great rock aside, your birthright awaits. Theseus pushed the rock aside, barely breaking a sweat. He smiled, flexed, then strode into the cave. As the darkness swallowed him, Aethra felt herself relax for the first time in years. Perhaps her son wasn't extraordinarily smart, but at least he was extraordinarily strong. Hopefully, that was enough to earn Aegeus's throne. Theseus emerged. But much to Aethra's surprise, he was only carrying King Aegeus's sandals. A bemused Theseus swung them around by their laces. Mother, <laughs> my birthright is shoes. No, Theseus. Look a little further. Dig in the sand if you have to. Theseus entered the cave once more and returned, brandishing Aegeus's sword. A blade! 
Uh, but it's rather puny, isn't it? I bet I could snap it in half. Uh, please don't. Theseus, those objects were left there by your father. And this is proof that you are his son, the son of a great man indeed, one who is alive. Heracles? Uh, no, Theseus. He's your cousin, and he's only a decade older than you, so that would be rather unlikely. Uh, Poseidon, then. I heard a rumor. No. Your father is Aegeus. Who is that again? Theseus, you've studied him. Your political ignorance worries me. Have you learned nothing from all those tutors and lessons? I mostly pay attention to the parts about the gods and the monsters. Your father is the king of Athens. It is a great city, ten times the size of treason. But Aegeus has no heir to inherit it. Once you claim your place as his son, our kingdoms will be bonded and you can restore treason's glory. A quest, eh? Mm, it's really more of a diplomatic mission. I was hoping for a quest. I'm a man now, mother, but I haven't defeated any foes or rescued any damsels from a terrifying trap. How will I know if I'm even worthy of the Athenian throne? You are Aegeus' son. You don't have to prove yourself. Besides, heroics are dangerous and damsels usually are the trap. All you need to do now is journey to Athens and present Aegeus with his sword. I suppose there is some glory to the idea of meeting my long-lost father. Very well. The road may be long, but I swear I shall not tire. Road? Oh, no, no, my son. Take a ship across the gulf and you'll be there in a matter of hours. Walking would take days, and the road is full of bandits and underworld beasts. Excellent. At least there will be some excitement along the way. Oh, Theseus, why do you insist on making things so difficult for yourself? Because in all the stories, the hero lives happily ever after as a king. But he has to become a hero first. He has to prove himself. I want to do that. And I don't think there's much merit in taking the easy way out. <sighs> Very well. Have your little quest. So long as you end up in Athens and present the sword and sandals to your father. I shall depart at once. Um, perhaps you'd better pack a satchel first. I shall depart after I pack a satchel. Theseus set off on a quest to Athens, determined to become a hero. In treason, he had a collection of plates engraved with images of Heracles, accomplishing his twelve labors. Theseus fully intended for his quest to be plate-worthy, too. In Epidaurus, he fought Periphetes, the club-bearer, a cyclops who flattened travelers to the ground with a great bronze club. When Periphetes saw a young man before him, he narrowed his eye, which always seemed to make his victims even more petrified. But the villain was surprised when Theseus let out a joyful whoop. <laughs> My first test! Fantastic! Periphetes raised his club to attack, but Theseus punched him in his fleshy belly and knocked him off balance. Periphetes fell, and Theseus grabbed the club from his hands. Then he used it to flatten Periphetes into the earth. <laughs> I suppose your plan fell a little flat. Next, Theseus spied on Sinis, the pine bender, 
a thief who dispatched his victims in a gruesome way. He would bend two trees to the earth until their tips touched, then tie them to the ground with a rope. After that, he would tie a terrified traveler between the trees, then cut the ropes that held the trees to the ground. The trees would whip back toward the sky, and the victim would be torn in two. Theseus was too late to save the traveler, but he vowed to prevent another murder from happening. When Sinis had his back turned, Theseus ran up and knocked the man out with Paraphides' club, then used Sinis's killing method against him. Oh, Sinis, you're only half the foe you thought you were. <laughs> On the outskirts of the town of Cromion, Theseus slew the Cromionian sow, a giant pig who rampaged through the village and terrorized its citizens. But Theseus didn't know any of that when he killed it. He was just hungry for a dinner that would satisfy his heroic appetite. The journey continued. Theseus kicked the bandit Skyron off a cliff and fed him to a giant sea turtle. He beat King Kirkion of Eleusis to death in a boxing match. The closer he got to Athens, the longer he took to defeat his enemies. This wasn't because the battles were more difficult. Theseus was just dreading the end of his quest, especially since he could now see Athens on the horizon. A life on the road slaying foes was exciting, and he intended to savor every moment. A life learning how to be a king seemed so stifling in comparison. Help! Luckily, he had one more challenge left before he faced his boring destiny. Theseus followed a young man's cries to the home of Procrustes the Stretcher, who tortured his victims by strapping them to an iron bed and, if the bed was too long, stretching their limbs to fit its length. After slaying Procrustes with his own torture device, Theseus rescued the villain's victim, a young, flustered peasant who was immensely grateful. Thank you. You're him, aren't you? The man who's been slaying every beast and bandit along the coast? I am Theseus of Treason, soon to be Theseus of Athens. And you are? Leos of Athens, soon to be Leos of anywhere else. Why would you leave? I hear Athens is a peaceful city with a wise king. <laughs> Maybe in the past, but Athens is a place of chaos and death now. Turn back while you still have the chance. Oh? Is it very dangerous? Not dangerous, just depressing. The war with Crete decimated our economy. The palace keeps raising the tax rate, and every year we shudder in fear that one of us will be chosen for the tribute. I was picked this year, and that's why I'm fleeing. Is King Aegeus not aware of all these problems? The king is not aware of much. He's ensnared by a sorceress he married after the war. Her name is Medea, and the palace guards whisper that she runs Athens. Why, that's... perfect. 
I was worried my adventures had ended. Instead, I faced another quest, a foe to defeat, and a damsel in distress. Only this time, I suppose my father is the damsel. Your father? I don't understand. Leos, would you like to learn a secret? No, I must flee before the Athenian guard finds me and puts me on a doomsday ship. I am King Aegeus's one and only long-lost son, and when I rescue him from this evil witch, I will take my place as his rightful heir. Ah, I see. You do not look amazed, Leos. I expected you to be amazed. Why aren't you? Sir, I don't mean to upset you, but King Aegeus has an heir. I know. Me. No, he has a son with Medea. What? Up next, Theseus confronts a sorceress and learns what the tribute is. Now, back to the story. Theseus stormed through the halls of King Aegeus's palace. He'd already knocked out six guards at the entrance and threatened a seventh until he showed him the way to Medea's private chambers. He didn't enjoy hurting weaker men, but Theseus knew he had to vanquish Medea and slay his rival heir. So he burst into her chambers and raised his father's sword. Medea, show yourself, witch, so that I may behead you and your son with my father's sword and end your evil reign. Please have mercy. Theseus looked down to see a pale, dark-haired woman cowering under a table. She trembled like a leaf and looked for all the world like a damsel in distress. But Theseus remembered his mother's advice. Spare me your appeals for sympathy, for I know you are a snake in my father's house. Do you think I am so easily fooled? I am... Theseus, son of Aegeus, raised in treason. I have seen you in my nightmares. So the peasant lad was right. You are a witch. No, I am merely blessed with certain gifts. Like the gift of bearing Aegeus a second heir, when I was the only one who was foretold to be born. Uh, my son Metis was a gift from Olympus, just as you were. Then it's time that gift was returned. Tell me where he is, or I'll slice the tongue from your mouth. Medea was crying too hard to speak, but Theseus noticed that her eyes kept darting to a set of doors that led to another chamber. Your fear speaks for you. Theseus ran to the doors, kicked them open, and raised his blade once more. Medus, prepare yourself for... Theseus stumbled back and dropped his sword. There was no worthy rival inside the room. Instead, he found a smiling infant in a crib. <coughs> Medea ran in, scooped her son Medus up, and clutched him tight. Theseus saw this and realized how deeply scared she was. His heart filled with shame. I cannot believe I was about to slay a child. Heracles would never do that. No, especially not one as precious as this child. Medus, meet your older brother. Hello. 
Medea set Medus back in his crib. Then she walked back to Theseus, eyes full of compassion. Theseus could barely meet her gaze when she squeezed his arm. Theseus, I know you've heard rumors. There have always been rumors about me. In Corinth, they said I killed my first husband's sons. Here in Athens, they say I have bewitched Aegeus because he follows me around like a lost child. If he is not bewitched, then why does he do it? Aegeus is old now, and his mind is frail. He spends most of his days asleep, and he can barely make it through a council meeting without my support and guidance. So I help him. That is all. I am just a scared woman trying to run a kingdom for a king who is as good as absent. My mother was the same way. If you are weary, perhaps I can help with Aegeus' duties. After all, I was supposed to succeed him. An intriguing proposition. Shall we discuss it over some wine and a meal? Something about Medea's insistent look made Theseus nod and agree. Medea walked to a cupboard and opened it. It was full of wines and meads, and she made a show of running her delicate fingers across the ample selection. She settled for an old wineskin she kept hidden in the back. It wasn't the kind of expensive vintage she'd normally serve a guest. This wine was poisoned. In the dining room, Theseus sat down to an elaborate feast and watched eagerly as Medea poured him a goblet of wine. When she filled the cup halfway, he frowned. A little more, please. Why, of course. Medea sat at the table, barely containing her glee while Theseus suckled every last drop of poison from the goblet. He set the cup down, and his eyes widened in alarm. Medea leaned forward, just in time for Theseus to belch in her face. <laughs> Strong wine. It's got a kick. I like it. Medea's jaw clenched. Theseus seemed fine. Apparently, the young man was blessed by the gods and would not be so easily defeated. She watched Theseus eat. He chewed loudly and dripped food down his robe like a child, a vacant smile on his innocent face. It didn't take sorcery for Medea to see that this boy was rather simple, so she decided to defeat him another way. Theseus, you do have a claim to the throne, and my poor Aegeus is unwell. Our war with Crete drained his spirit, and I fear he is no longer up to the task of ruling. Are you? It is my birthright, but I do not have a head for politics, and ruling a place like Athens sounds... complicated. I work best with my fists. We could use a hero like you in Crete. Have you heard of the tribute? I believe that terrified peasant Leos mentioned it. Tell me more. Our peace treaty with King Minos contains a terrifying clause. Every year he forces us to send seven maidens and seven men to his palace on the Isle of Crete. There are terrible dangers there, and our sons and daughters fight for the glory of returning to Athens alive. But so few ever do. Then I will go and end King Minos' reign of terror. 
Theseus, I cannot force you to do this. But if you do, why, you will be hailed as Athens' very own Heracles. That would be grand. But I'm doing this for my father, and for you. Before I depart, may I meet him? Oh, of course, Theseus. But, um, don't you think Aegeus would find you more impressive if you came to him having already thwarted King Minos's evil? You are a wise queen indeed. Medea called for her guards to lead Theseus out, then sat back and smiled. She had conveniently neglected to tell Aegeus's dim-witted son that, in truth, no tribute ever made it back from Crete alive. The next morning, Theseus found himself in the Athenian harbor on the deck of a ship with black sails. He was alone, but soon, guards led seven young men and women up the gangway onto the deck. All of them were stone-faced, and none seemed to be excited about their journey. This unsettled Theseus, but he brightened when he recognized one of the men who joined him on the deck. Leos, what are you doing here? I thought you were fleeing. Uh, talking to you slowed me down and the carts caught up with me. What are you doing here? Joining the adventure. This is no adventure, Theseus. This is a voyage of doom. Well, if you're this frightened, why would you volunteer? None of us did. We aren't volunteers. We are human sacrifices. Now hush up. The king and queen approach. Theseus looked up to see Medea saunter up the dock. Behind her was an older man, his hair gray and his back hunched. This was Aegeus, or at least what remained of him. There hardly seemed to be a mind behind his vacant eyes. Theseus wanted to shout out a joyful greeting to his father, but the old man's apparent senility disturbed him, so he bowed his head and tried not to look as Medea addressed the tributes. Brave sons and daughters of Athens, I thank you for your sacrifice, and your king wishes you the best of luck. Aegeus, wish them luck. Good luck! Aegeus existed in what felt like a permanent fog. Some of this was due to his age, but most of it was because Medea had cast a powerful confusion spell on him that made him a doddering fool. Still, some part of Aegeus knew where he was, and he hated that he was sending another crop of his citizens to die at the hands of mad King Minos. He couldn't bear to look these young men and women in their eyes, so he looked down at their feet instead. His heart ached at the sight of a maiden's white slippers, which he knew would soon be dyed red with blood. He winced with sympathy at Leos's bare feet, which nervously squirmed while the ship's black sails unfurled. But when Aegeus's eyes came across a young man's ornate golden sandals, he let out a gasp. Something about these shoes called out to him, a memory from long ago that pierced through the mystical fog that clouded his brain. 
Stop! Stop the ship! Your king commands it! Medea gripped her husband's hand, but Aegeus pulled free and rushed up the gangway to the deck. It was the fastest he'd moved in years, but the sight of this youth's golden shoes made him feel decades younger. He walked up to the boy and pulled him aside, away from the prying ears of his wife and the other tributes. Where did you get those sandals, boy? I owned a pair once, just like those. You have my permission to speak, so tell me. I found them in a cave near my home in treason. I also found a sword, but the guards took it away. I believe it was your sword. Treason? I can't believe my eyes. Are you Ithra's son? Your son, too. I am Theseus. It is good to meet you, father. I wanted to wait until I returned from Crete, but- What are you doing here? Why are you a tribute? Your wife said it would be the best way to impress you. Aegeus whipped his head back to glare at Medea, who slowly backed away from the docks. I'll banish her later. Theseus, get off this boat. Come to the palace. You have so much to learn. Father, no. I'm afraid I will only be a disappointment. I am a simple man, but I am strong and loyal, and I can honor you by defeating your enemy. Theseus, no one survives King Minos's wrath. He controls a fearsome beast called the Minotaur. Half man, half bull, fully unstoppable. Well, I like a challenge. If the tradition of tribute is so terrible, it must end. So I will kill the Minotaur and free us from our oppressors in Crete. I don't doubt your strength, but this is most unwise. Ha <laughs> ha! As am I. But in a few days' time, you will look out and see this ship returning, with white sails unfurled and my sword raised in triumph. Well, if I had a sword. Aegeus choked back tears and hugged Theseus close. Then he pulled the blade from his belt and handed it to the young man. Now you do. Good luck, my son. Please return to me. The black-sailed Athenian ship glided out onto the wild waters of the sea. Theseus stood at the prow, smiling while the wind whipped his hair. He was off on another quest, one that might elevate him to the status of the great Heracles. It bothered him that the rest of the tributes didn't seem as excited. The maidens were weeping, and a few of the men were too. Leos wept especially hard. Theseus almost mocked them, but he held his tongue and tried to understand their pain. He reminded himself that they weren't heroes like him. They were victims, ones he was now pledged to save. This was what he was born to do, and he would save Athens too, no matter what terrors awaited him. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. Find out what happens when Theseus arrives in Crete, where an unlikely romance may be the key to defeating the Minotaur. 
You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next week with the conclusion of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher. Fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez and Mickey Taylor. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Harris Markson, and Laura Faye Smith. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Listeners, there's no better time than right now to open your heart to the hit Spotify original from Parcast, Blind Dating. Every Wednesday, find out if personality alone is enough to make a love connection. Follow Blind Dating, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.